0: Section six of Europe and Elsewhere by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Chapter five A Wonderful Pair of Slippers with letters concerning them from Mark Twain and Elsie Leslie Lyde. Mark Twain's Letter Hartford, october fifth, eighteen eighty-nine. Dear Elsie, the way of it was this. Away last spring, Gillette, note, William Gillette, the distinguished actor and playwright, and I pooled intellects on this proposition to get up a pleasant surprise of some kind for you against your next visit, the surprise to take the form of a tasteful and beautiful testimonial of some sort or other which should express somewhat of the love we felt for you. Together we hit upon just the right thing, a pair of slippers. Either one of us could have thought of a single slipper, but it took both of us to think of two slippers. In fact, one of us did think of one slipper, and then, quick as a flash, the other thought of the other one. It shows how wonderful the human mind is. It is really paleontological. You give one mind a bone, and the other one instantly divines the rest of the animal. Gillette embroidered his slipper with astonishing facility and splendor, but I have been a long time pulling through with mine. You see... It was my very first attempt at art, and I couldn't rightly get the hang of it along at first, and then I was so busy that I couldn't get a chance to work at it at home, and they wouldn't let me embroider on the cars. They said it made the other passengers afraid. They didn't like the light that flared into my eye when I had an inspiration. AND EVEN THE MOST FAIR-MINDED PEOPLE DOUBTED ME WHEN I EXPLAINED WHAT IT WAS I WAS MAKING. ESPECIALLY brakemen. Brakemen ALWAYS SWORE AT IT AND CARRIED ON, THE WAY IGNORANT PEOPLE DO ABOUT ART. THEY WOULDN'T TAKE MY WORD THAT IT WAS A SLIPPER. THEY SAID THEY BELIEVED IT WAS A SNOWSHOE THAT HAD SOME KIND OF A DISEASE but i have pulled through and within twenty-four hours of the time i told you i would day before yesterday there ought to be a key to the designs but i haven't had time to get one up however if you will lay the work before you with the forecastle pointing north i will begin at that end and explain the whole thing layer by layer so that you can understand it i began with that first red bar and without ulterior design or plan of any sort just as i would begin a prince and pauper or any other tale and mind you it is the easiest and surest way because if you invent two or three people and turn them loose in your manuscript, something is bound to happen to them. You can't help it. And then it will take you the rest of the book to get them out of the natural consequences of that occurrence. And so, first thing you know, there's your book, all finished up, and never cost you an idea. Well, the red stripe with a bias stitch naturally suggested a blue one with a perpendicular stitch, and I slammed it in, though when it came daylight I saw it was green, which didn't make any difference, because green and blue are much the same anyway, and in fact, from a purely moral point of view, are regarded by the best authorities as identical. Well, if you will notice, a blue perpendicular stitch always suggests a copy-red involved stitch, like a family of angleworms trying to climb in under each other to keep warm. It would suggest that, every time, without the author of the slipper ever having to think about it at all. Now, at that point, young Dr. Root came in, and... Of course, he was interested in the slipper right away, because he has always had a passion for art himself, but has never had a chance to try, because his folks are opposed to it, and superstitious about it, and have done all they could to keep him back. And so he was eager to take a hand and see what he could do, and it was beautiful to see him sit there and tell mrs clemens what had been happening while we were off on summer vacation and hold the slipper up toward the end of his nose and forget the sordid world and imagine the canvas was a subject with a scalp wound and nimbly whirl in that lovely surgical stitch which you see there and never hesitating a moment in his talk except to say, ouch, when he stuck himself, and then going right on again, as smooth and easy as nothing. Yes, it was a charming spectacle, and it was real art, too. Realistic, just native, untaught genius. You can see the very scalp itself showing through between the stitches. Well, next I threw in that sheaf of green rods which the licturns used to carry before the Roman consuls to lick them with when they didn't behave. They turned blue in the morning, but that is the way green always acts. The next week, after a good rest, I snowed in that sea of frothy waves and set that yellow thing afloat in it and those two things that are skewered through it. It isn't a home plate, and it isn't a papal tiara with the keys of St. Peter. No, it is a heart, my heart, with two arrows stuck through it, arrows that go in blue and come out crimson, crimson with the best drops in that heart, and gladly shed for love of you, dear. Now, then, as you strike to the southard, and drift along down the starboard side, abaft the main-tile gallant scuppers, you come to that blue quarter-deck which runs the rest of the way aft to the jumping-off place. In the midst of that blue you will see some big letters, M.T., and westward over on the port side you will see some more red letters to e l aggregated these several groups of letters signify mark twain to elsie leslie and you will notice that you have a gift for art yourself for the southern half of the l embroidered by yourself is as good as anything i can do after all my experience there now you understand the whole work from a professional point of view i consider the heart and arrows by all odds the greatest triumph of the whole thing in fact one of the ablest examples of civil engineering in a beginner i ever saw for it was all inspiration just the lightning-like inspiration of the moment. I couldn't do it again in a hundred years, even if I recover this time and get just as well and strong as I was before. You notice what fire there is in it, what rapture, enthusiasm, frenzy, what blinding explosions of color. It is just a turner that is what it is it is just like his slave ship that immortal work what you see in the slave ship is a terrific explosion of radiating rags and fragments of flaming crimson flying from a common center of intense yellow which is in violent commotion insomuch that a boston reporter said it reminded him of a yellow cat drying in a platter of tomatoes take the slippers and wear them next your heart elsie dear for every stitch in them is a testimony of the affection which two of your loyalist friends bear you every single stitch cost us blood i've got twice as many pores in me now as I used to have, and you would never believe how many places you can stick a needle into yourself until you go into the embroidery line and devote yourself to art. Do not wear these slippers in public, dear. It would only excite envy, and, as like as not, somebody would try to shoot you. Merely use them to assist you in remembering that among the many, many people who think all the world of you is your friend Mark Twain. Elsie's Reply, New York, October ninth, 1889 My dear Mr. Clemens, the slipper, the long letter, and all the rest came this afternoon, I think they are splendid, and shall have them framed, and keep them among my very most precious things. I have had a great many nice things given to me, and people often say very pleasant things, but I am not quite sure they always mean it, or that they are as trustable as you and Leo, and I am very sure they would not spend their precious time and shed their blood for me. So you see, that is one reason why I will think so much of it. And then it was all so funny to think of two great big men like you and little Willie, that is what Leo calls himself to me, embroidering a pair of slippers for a little girl like me. Of course, you have a great many large words in your letter that I do not quite understand. One word commencing with P has fifteen letters in it, and I do not know what you mean by "pooled." unless you mean you and Leo put your two minds together to make the slippers, which was very nice of you both, I think. You are just right about the angle-worms. They did look like that this summer, when I used to dig them for bait to fish with. Please tell Dr. Root I will think of him when I look at the part he did—the surgical stitch, I mean— I hope you will be quite well and strong by the time you get this letter, as you were before you made my slipper. It would make me very sad if you were to be ill. Give my love to Mrs. Clemens, Susie, Clara, Jean, I know, and you know, and Vicks, and all of my Hartford friends. Tell Jean I wish I was with her, and we would have a nice jump in the hayloft. When you come to New York, you must call and see me, then, and we will see about those big words. My address is up in the top-left corner of this letter. To my loyal friend Mark Twain, from his little friend Elsie Leslie Lyde. Not little Lord Fauntleroy now, but Tom Canty of Court and little Edward of Wales note one elsie leslie then a little girl played little lord fauntleroy and the double part of tom canty and the little prince with great success end of chapter five a wonderful pair of slippers read by john greenman